But for me, without all the noise of the business community and these coaches who want to charge lots per session, I've been really content in my life. I've been really content being an adjunct college instructor, making very little, but being able to do the work whenever I want to, going to school, lunch with my kids. Just like I have this lifestyle that I don't have to charge $500 an hour to get. Welcome to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast, where we answer this question. How can therapists and health practitioners go from money shame and confusion to feeling calm and confident about their finances and get money really working for them in both their private practice and their lives? I'm your host, Lindsay Bonham, therapist turned money coach and creator of the course Money Skills for Therapists. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's podcast guest is Paula Miller. I don't usually read people's bios, but her bio is so good that I do want to share it with you. Paula is an award-winning dietitian who loves Lindor chocolate. In her weight-neutral, size-inclusive nutrition practice, Paula and her team passionately help individuals challenge harmful nutrition beliefs, reclaim joyful eating, and find peace with food. Her greatest satisfaction is helping people let go of guilt and embrace all food, ending chronic eating struggles. Paula is a graduate of Money Skills for Therapists, and today's podcast is a coaching session where we get into Paula's struggles with the fact that she is running an insurance-based group practice. There's lots of questions that spiral out of there, but basically Paula came in with just a lot of doubt and uh, confusion about whether this practice is workable, should you be doing something else. And this conversation takes um, an interesting bit of an unexpected turn. If you uh, are an insurance-based clinician, or if you've ever felt the pressure that you should be charging more, should be doing things differently, should be private pay, this is going to be a really good episode for you. Here is my conversation with Paula Miller. Paula, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited too. So just to give like a little bit of context for folks listening, you are a Money Skills grad. And remind both of us, when did you finish Money Skills for Therapists? I can't remember exactly when I graduated, but it was about a year and a half ago. Okay. Okay. I could go back to my financials and tell you because yes. I can see in my financials the difference, but right. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think I started in like... January, February, March of last last year. Okay. 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 So you're and a half. So you've been very busy since we first worked together. That's kind of the related to the question you wanted to bring today. So just to get us started, what would you like some coaching support with today? Yeah. So I have a small group practice and I've hired four employees since November, which is not something I could have done without your support and money skills for therapists that set me up to be able to do that. So my question is, there's a few different reasons I grew the group practice and what people told me when I was in coaching prior to growing it was that you have to have at least five full-time dietitians. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not a therapist, I'm a dietitian Mm -hmm. to be profitable or not profitable, but to really make money at a group practice. We're insurance-based and it provides a really important need for our community that wasn't there. We specifically focus on food peace. And so we do a really individualized service with that. I have learned from growing the group practice what everybody told me prior to, which is 
you need to have a lot of dietitians. I, I don't want to have a lot of dietitians. And I have been feeling a little bit like this is an abusive relationship with me in this practice that I am working really hard for not a whole lot of financial benefit. And I would really love to be able to give my husband the flexibility to do whatever work he feels like he wants to do as well and not have to do a job because of his income. And so my question is, my thought is I have a personal brand that I'm thinking of doing, which is food peace with Paula. Mm -hmm. Is it wise of me? Because I feel like my private practice is so important in this community and it is so important to keep it insurance-based. Is it wise to continue to run this group practice Mm -hmm. while continuing to be the CEO of it, but take myself clinically out of it and do a personal brand so that I can actually see financial income. Yes. Right. So basically at this point, it sounds like you have concluded that at the scale you're at, it's not going to be really much of a money maker and you're not interested in growing it to the point that it could be. Right. Like you, you said, do you have three, three dietitians working for you right now? Well, I am one of the three. So I have okay. two dietitians. Okay. Yeah. Okay, two. <laughs> I, I have two dietitians. I have an office assistant and I have a biller and I, I am not afraid to spend money on support. Mm-hmm. And so I could be doing a lot more in the business but I can pay someone else to do those tasks at a lower wage. I also don't have the capacity to see more than like 10 to 12 clients, like me- mental health wise. Like yeah, yeah. I do really good work at like 10 to 12 yes. clients a week. And so while I could see more clients because I have other people doing the admin tasks, I don't have the energy for that. Yeah. And so that's not an area that you would expand much. Are you at 10 to 12 right now? Like you're capped out mm-hmm. at this moment? I am. One of my other therapists is capped out and I just opened a second practice. She is two hours from me in a college town okay. and we have tons of people on the waiting list, but we're still waiting on some credentialing things. And so she's not full yet, Okay, but I expect that she will, you know, within a normal amount of time, be able to get full. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I am very, I grew up really frugal. I'm very good about doing things with really low overhead. So we rent office by the day. So mm-hmm. we have very low rent. I mean, our costs are really low, but I'm spending okay. a lot in, I feel like I'm spending a lot in admin support, et cetera. Right. Okay. Yes. For that, for that administrator and that biller. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's, that's kind of my first curiosity is how the numbers are working now with this, you have, you know, three of you who are providing service to people who are providing support to your service team. What have you noticed in terms of the monthly trends? Like what's coming in the door, what is being spent on, on operating the business and what's left? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel like a lot's left right now because I just opened that office two hours from here and there were startup costs for that. I hired my biller a month and a half ago. So there was a lot of training startup with her. Like, I feel like, I feel like I've kind of been bleeding money in startup for this business. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm answering you as clearly as. Well, I mean, I did, I did just ask you like a very specific question that I did not prepare you for. (laughs) (laughs) So that's fair. I have my spreadsheet from YNAB right here. Beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful. Great. So let's look at what YNAB's telling us. Okay. So 
Um, gosh, what, what do you want me to give you? Do you have an averages column on that spreadsheet? I do. I do. Averages. That's mm-hmm. a very important tool for folks who are listening. YNAB is you need a budget. It is a tool that many of the folks who take the course choose to use to track and plan with their money. And it has nice reports. And that averages column, Paula, what's so valuable of that is it's going to like take out those ups and downs that can be kind of distracting. And it tells us like, okay, over whatever date range you've just searched there, if you, it looks like you probably have a year of data just based on what I just glimpsed. Uh-huh. However, that date range is, this is an average of all of that period of time, which is, that's kind of the numbers that really start, that really matter ultimately. So what are you noticing with those numbers? What comes in? I mean, I know that things have changed in that time. You've made hires, so you might choose to look at a different date range, but is that year a typical period of time or have things changed a lot over the course of that year? Things have changed a lot. I started out in, so this goes from January to September. I started out in January as a an individual clinician, yep. seeing too many patients. And I am now in September and I have three more employees than I had in January. Okay. Yep. So that changes so, a lot. Yeah. Okay. So let's maybe look at September as a, a snapshot. We know that, you know, things might change in October, November, December, but looking at September, how much money came in the top? What was your revenue on the top? Around 7,000. Okay. 7,000 revenue. And how much did it cost you to operate the business? What was your operating expenses? So my operating expenses on this, it says 4,400. Okay. And does that include your staff payroll or is that separate? That did include payroll. Okay. That includes payroll. Great. Okay. What about your pay? Yeah. And then what about your payment? How much are you getting paid for this work you're doing? I'm embarrassed to say, Lindsay, because last time I told you I was paying myself this, you said, please pay yourself more. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You don't have to do what I tell you. I'm not the boss of you. I am still paying myself $2,000 a month. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I am my husband. We can live on my husband's income. Yes. I have pretty much just been leaving all the rest of the money in the business, trying to build up buffers. Okay. Yep. And then figured when my buffers were built, then I would start paying myself more. Yes. And with that, Paula, like, I know the last time we talked, I told you to stop doing that. And also we all have our own unique financial situations. If you and your husband are fine on his income, then you have financial stability there. And, you know, when you are growing a group, because when I spoke to you, I don't think that was the case yet. You've you've done a lot of growing since we chatted last. When you're growing a group and any kind of scaled larger business. So my business, for instance, I don't have a group, but we have a lot of liabilities month after month. Growing a buffer is a really big priority because then you're creating financial stability for everybody right? Like you're creating financial stability in the business, which in turn is financial stability for you and it's financial stability for your staff. So I think that that, you know, that actually sounds like quite a strategic way that you're doing things right now. So I want to give lots of credit where credit is due. I'm very happy that you're building up buffers, you know, while you're also building this bigger business. Okay. Thank you. Gold star. <laughs> Gold star from Lindsay. Gold star. Gold star. Okay. So looking at this then, is there anything else in those lines, like any other expenses that we didn't catch between operating expense salary? I know taxes, you paid quarterlies last, like in, in that September period. Yeah. How much, do you know what percentage you're putting aside for taxes? Uh, 15%. Okay. And I will tell you the funny thing, if anyone's considering your course, is that after I took your course and started saving for taxes, we literally, we had 52 cents more than we owed in taxes. Saved. <laughs> and my husband was like, that Lindsay, I'm so glad for her. <laughs> because taxes was always this like, point of contention in our yes. relationship because I yes. did not pay attention to it. So anyway, thank you, Lindsay and YNAB. <laughs> you're welcome. And I'm sure YNAB says you're welcome as well. 
Um, okay, great. So you're having taxes taken care of. So those are kind of like their own thing. So, I mean, that month, for instance, just to give us a, p- a picture though, how much did you put aside in taxes? Do you see what you, um, I guess we can just see what you spent. I'm curious, like, I guess 15%, I could, I could do the math here. I've got my little phone calculator. If you're saving 15% of everything and you brought in 7,000, then you'd be putting aside about $1,000 for taxes. Does that seem right? That about what you put away each month for taxes? That would would be about right. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to see here, just to give us a sense of the cash flow. So if I take 7,000 minus the 4,400, which was what it cost to run your business, including paying your dietitians who work for you, subtract your payroll, and then I subtract taxes, that looks like it was a super tight month. Did it feel like a really tight month? Every month feels really tight. (laughs) I've got minus $450. And let me say that that is the month that I, well, that August and that month is training months. Yes. You know, I'm paying more for my second clinician than I am making from her right now, you know, so it is not in a year, it's going to be more accurate numbers, but right now it's it's for sure startup numbers. You're in startup phase, right? And that's also normal. Like, I mean, we zoomed in on a month here because we want to kind of see like what's happening now. And the information we have from January is not going to be that accurate given all the changes you've made. But also we know that there are more expensive times in business where we're building and creating a foundation and we shouldn't be afraid to spend at those times because, you know, you're training someone who, will generate revenue for your business, who will help you buy back your time, who will make things more efficient. Like these things are all very valuable, but yes, there are these times in our business when they're more expensive. And that's where too, as you go forward, Paula, like continuing to keep your eye on that averages column is going to let you start to see like, oh, okay. September was kind of like a, like, blah, that was, we, you know, spent more than we made, but October and November and December, things started to really change. And this is what our average is now. Okay. Right. So that's going to give you that zoomed out perspective that you really need, especially when you're, you have a lot of moving parts like you do. That is very helpful because I have not paid attention to the averages. And I actually had wondered, and we can talk about this separately if this doesn't fit right now, but I have also wondered about creating a separate account to move all my tax money into every month mm-hmm. so that it shows like it went out of YNAB in that month. Right. Yeah. So it shows as money spent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could definitely do that. I mean, that would be a way to kind of like create clarity and make it extra real. Cause basically that's, that's a, like a profit first kind of method, right? Where we're actually moving the money where it belongs. And so it's super clear, like that money's taxes and nothing else. So if you feel like that would give you more clarity, I think that that would be a great addition to your system. Okay. I think it would, because also what I'm realizing now is these numbers don't include the payroll taxes that mm-hmm. I pay yes. because I don't have a special section for payroll taxes okay. that I'm saving for. So, right. Okay. Because are you paying those on a quarterly basis, monthly quarterly. basis? Mm-hmm. Okay. Quarterly. So that means attention in your system. So it needs attention. Yes. Yes. So good. Good that we flagged that now. Always good to think about these things before we're like, oh shit. Yes. But <laughs> so, I already feel that way. Yes. Oh yes. And I can <laughs> see that. Like these numbers feel they're tight. You know, as we said, this is part of it is situational. You're in startup. But part of it is also, you know, if you're bringing in about seven and you're paying your team 4,400 and you're getting paid, like already that's like a pretty tight month. And I guess you're not, you're not paying your team 4,400. What are you paying your team? That's actually a good question. My team. So for September, my clinicians were just a little under 2,000. Okay. My office assistant, she usually runs around 700, a little bit over. Okay. My biller, she was at 300. And so I really, my goal, my goal for her was like 200 to 300, but she's been higher each month because she's essentially having to train herself on our simple practice billing system. Yes. 
Okay. So, cause I'm just getting a sense of that. So 2000 for clinicians, and then we'll also add, no, I'll just add everybody 700 for admin 300 for biller 3000 divided by 7,000. So you're looking at like kind of 43% for staff besides you, which of course is going to vary and change because your administrator, she might be a flat fee regardless of how busy you are in a certain month, but your biller is probably going to be pretty variable at a certain point. You know, the busier you are, the busier she is. So that is decent. That's, you know, a good number. You're not in that number. If I put you in that number, actually, let me just see here. I'm 29%. I ran these numbers, Lindsay, because I was trying to figure out how to, I was putting too much in my salary for YNAB. And so I needed to adjust it. Okay. So you're 29. Yeah, 29. Mm -hmm. And and 29 is fairly low for the fact that your business is not making 15 or 20,000, which which we know because you're getting paid $2,000, which is maybe not where you want to be. And so the reason that I, I wanted to take the time to get this snapshot is to kind of start to try to feel out. And there's lots of specifics here that we're not going to get into, but can you make this a business that does generate enough money that it's kind of like worth the time it's going to take you to run it, right? Because what I'm hearing from you is something that I see come up with lots of therapists when you go to a certain point where you're like, I think I just want to like do this other thing. I want to run the group practice as a CEO, but I don't necessarily want to be practicing in the same way. And I want to just like get paid as a CEO. But what's really necessary for that to happen, Paula, is there needs to be extra money. Yes. And I have to say that I I am very much about my values and about life balance. And yeah. the, the more hours clinicians yeah. work, the more insurance paperwork there is. And yes. I do not want to do that stuff. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Quite honestly, Lindsay, I've considered making this business a not-for-profit, a nonprofit. It kind of is. It is, right? Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, that's maybe something to think about as well. And and that's that's an area that's kind of getting outside of my lane in terms of getting registered as a nonprofit. And but I mean, the way you talk about your work, Paula, like really has that ethos to it, right? Where you're very mission driven. You know that this is like a group of people who otherwise probably won't get service because, you know, as a dietitian, it's not like there's a dietitian on every corner and there's certainly not a dietitian on every corner specializing in what you specialize in. You know, that might be something for you to consider because I think there's always this kind of like fundamental conflict, I think, that all health providers experience, which is like you're in the work because you care and you love it. And usually most of us have had some sort of lived experience with the kind of work that we're doing, right? And we like get viscerally the value of it. And also you need to live and be well and have a life. And like, you don't want to feel like you're in an abusive relationship. So there's like a fundamental conflict there. And so part of this might be thinking about, first of all, how important is that mission to you? If it's a hundred percent in your soul, you want to be providing like insurance-based services for folks to make peace with food, then it might be starting to think about what are creative ways to do that, that don't come at your detriment, right? Because I'm curious, like you said earlier, like it kind of feels like an abusive relationship. I know you said that part of it is you're putting so much work into it and getting so little out of it, but I'm curious, is there more to that metaphor? So I think that this is where it all comes from. I have always not worked for a lot of money. I taught college. I have always chosen jobs because of the lifestyle they afford me. Mm -hmm. Not Well, I actually, my first job was for the money and it wrecked my health. Right. Yes. And I just, I'm so much more like I choose jobs for the lifestyle, not for the money. And so that's how I built my business. Like the clinicians I have and the staff I have, I wanted to be able to let them let their life be really important. So mm-hmm. they all they all work part-time and have kids and mm-hmm. they don't all, but you know, that's yeah. kind of what I imagined. And so 
as I've been a business owner and learning about business for the last three years, I have loved it. I have loved learning. I'm really good at getting business to the business and Mm -hmm. I'm really great at building relationships. And like, I feel like getting our business a good reputation. Mm -hmm. What I struggle with is all the business education out there that I'm with Mm. or or looking at is like, raise your fees. Mm -hmm. You need to be charging a lot of money for your services, et cetera. And like, I feel like my life, the only thing I would add to it, you know, there are not, is not a lot I would add to my life if I made Mm -hmm. more money. I feel this pressure that I don't know if it's mine or if it's the business communities Yes, that I have just taken on through all of Mm -hmm. my business education that maybe isn't the purpose for me. Right. Maybe it's not yours. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's not more like what I would really love in my life is to fly first class on our vacations. We already go on three vacations a year. Like, I mean, we live really... We live really in a really wonderful life, you know? Yes. And like, I would love to put a pool in my backyard and have a pool boy. Like Mm, those two things I would love. Sure. So I like, even if I had a lot of money, like I would love to support my husband and being able to be as flexible as he wants to. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I have taken this thing on from the business community Mm -hmm. that I don't even know what to do about, (laughs) you know, that feels like my, that feels like mindset stuff almost. Well, it is absolutely. And I mean, something that I do want to reflect to you is, you know, when we are getting those messages of like, yeah, you have to, you have to charge a premium fee, da da da, value yourself, you know, these kinds of phrases that can be almost like made two dimensional, right? Like those messages are going to people who live in New York city and pay $3,000 a rent, like a month for a terrible apartment. They're going to people in San Francisco who pay $4,000 a month for, you know, like an apartment that has leaky water, you know? And so this is part of it is like, there's a, a simplified narrative that's being projected to everybody. And that for some people it does need to be true, right? If, if you have a kid with complex medical needs, then you might need to make $12,000 a month because your kid needs incredibly complex care, right? Those financial needs are going to look very different than it sounds like yours do, right? And so something that I'm curious about is like, I'm I'm hearing that there you do have some things that would be like really nice to add, right? They don't sound like they're things that you desperately need, but being able to fly first class, being able to have a pool, have a pool boy, <laughs> how much more money would you have to be making to add those things into your life? Yeah, I've run these numbers before. Honestly, like I could fly first class right now. Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> right. And I really don't have the space in my backyard because I have a big, beautiful oak tree that I have to <laughs> It's like tree or pool. That's a hard choice. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so that's not even a possibility for my, mm-hmm. my life. And so I've run these numbers before and like, we're kind of right where we need to be right? with the kind of life we want to live. Yeah. Yeah. So where does this pressure and why do I feel like my business is this abusive relationship? Mm-hmm. I think there's just so much more to that than just needing to make more, than just needing. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? For sure. So I'm curious when you think about those messages and you can, you can anonymize if you want, but like whose voice are you hearing? Some business coaches. Okay. And those business coaches, is there a reason that you've kind of like got into their orbit? Cause there's like, you know, probably thousands of business coaches out there. Is there a reason that you've been around to hear what these coaches have to say? They have sold themselves as people who put their lives first Mm -hmm. and charge very high rates because they put their lives first. Mm -hmm. Yet they are discouraging doing things that they do do, like growing a group practice. Like I had a business coach Mm -hmm. who has a group practice, but very much told me not to grow 
group mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. And that's that I think. So yeah, that's kind of where it all is. It's mm-hmm. like these voices that are like charge more money mm-hmm. because I do. Mm-hmm. And the way to have your life be put first, like your lifestyle put first, you have to charge more money. So for you, is that true? I need a, I feel like the edge of my September numbers mm-hmm. being so close. Mm-hmm. I do need, I do need a little more room. Yeah. But for me, without all the noise of the business community mm-hmm. and these coaches who want to charge lots per session, without that noise, like I've been really content in my life. Yes. Yes. I've been really content being an adjunct college instructor, making very little. Yes. But being able to do the work whenever I want to, going to school, lunch with my kids mm-hmm. yes. every week. If I, you know, just yes. like I have this, this lifestyle that I don't have to charge $500 an hour to get. Yes. And part of that is you live in Kansas. Exactly. Right? <laughs> if we plunked you into the middle of New York City in Brooklyn and we're like, okay, Paula, now like buy a house in Brooklyn, you know, you would have different pressures. You would have different solutions almost to get you back to where you are now. But something that I'm hearing is you are already there. You're already at that lifestyle that these coaches are trying to help to get people to. And they're teaching the solution that worked for them because of their geographic circumstances, their financial circumstances, their own personal needs, which are different than yours. And it sounds like in some ways there's there's a, a mismatch there, right? Like even if they're folks who you like respect and they're great and like they might not be teaching what you actually specifically need. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. You were just nodding a lot. I feel like I I should say that because it's a podcast. Yeah, Yeah. no, you're right. And, And even quite honestly, I've been thinking about this recently, even my desire to like, to, to be able to replace my husband's income, he would still work. Yes. He just may not work where he's working. And so I really need a lot less than what I'm imagining I would need if I were going to try to do that. Yeah. And I mean, it does sound like there is a little bit of room here where you're like, a little bit more would be good. But also we know that September is your startup month. It's your training month as you settle into October and November and like folks are settling into their roles, caseloads are getting fuller, da-da-da-da-da, you offer a group or two, your numbers are going to start to tell a different story, right? And so my encouragement is be curious as to what that story starts to become as it unfolds. And then I think maybe a quarter from now, so let's say, you know, we're, we're recording this, this conversation together in October. So let's say end of January, then you can check back in on your numbers again and see like, okay, what is happening now? You mm-hmm. might already be there, Paula. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, you know, what, what you're talking about makes me think of a couple of things. One, it makes me think of that old adage, and maybe this is very cheesy to bring up, but have you ever heard that kind of like old, I don't know, it's like a educational tale of like a rich man who sees like a poor fisherman on the beach. Do you know this story? I might. I feel like it's kind of just in the culture. So the idea is that this wealthy man sees a fisherman on the beach and he's like, wow, you're really good at fishing. And the guy's like, oh yeah, I really love fishing. And he's like, well, you should, you should get a boat. And he's like, yeah, I mean, I have a boat. Like, it's kind of good. He's like, well, you should get a better boat, get a loan. You know, and so basically the idea is that this man, this rich man encourages this guy to do what he's done, which is like build a company, get employees, da, 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 da. And then at the end, you know, it's like, well, why would you do that? And the rich man says, then you'd have time. You can do whatever you want. And the guy's like, I already have that. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. And this it kind of makes me think about that. It's like, what I'm hearing is there's noise, right? And so- Something that I I would encourage you to think about is 
what do you actually want to disengage from? What is it time to unfollow? What are the email lists it's time to get off? What are the social media accounts it's time to stop following? Because comparison can be the thief of joy. And I'm hearing that you like your life and that everything is good, right? And that you have a lot of things that a lot of other people have to work hard to get and have to charge a lot to get for their own reasons, but that's actually not your problem, right? How does that land with you? Very, very well. And like one thing, one thing I talk to my clients about is curating their social media for body image and food. And that single piece of advice from you today is exactly where I need to be and exactly what resonates with me because that is the noise that I do not need in my life because my practice is doing really good work yes, and really important work. And these numbers are startup numbers. There's going to be space. There's going to be more space than this eventually. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where the curiosity comes in. Because if three months from now you look and you're like, oh, it's still tight, then there's spot to be curious and be like, okay, what about my numbers is not working, right? But that again is going to bear out over time. We don't, we don't know that yet. And you could probably look at that now, you know, after we talk today, you could always look and be like, okay, what was a startup cost this month? Eliminate those from your, your kind of like, you know, profit and loss and see what would this month have been if we weren't paying for this extra, this extra, this extra. But I mean, there's nothing here that's like a screaming red flag to me that tells me that this is not workable for what you need. Yeah. Oh, that's the beautiful salve to my little soul. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So Paula, what are you taking away from our conversation today? Gosh. So I think what I'm taking away is just that stay the course with this business. Mm -hmm. Don't buy the next boat, which is the personal brand. At this point, anyway, someday maybe my time will free and I'll want Mm -hmm. to do that. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. But don't pressure myself to do that anytime soon because these numbers, while narrow, they will change and they will evolve. And I believe that a year from now, I will feel very differently about the money in my business and the relationship I have with it. I don't Mm -hmm. think it will be as much of this abusive Mm -hmm. feeling Mm -hmm. because we will be, both my clinicians will be full. My biller will know what she's doing and she will, I will pay less to her because she will just be better at her job. So yeah, super, super helpful. Good. Much more yeah. calm. Good. Wonderful. It was really lovely to talk to you again today, Paula. It was great to talk to you too, Lindsay. I always enjoy it. I think the question that Paula ultimately came to and what we kind of ultimately like dug into and came to our new conclusions around is this piece about noise. We live in such a noisy landscape. That's actually one of the reasons that I have a podcast and I like to spend my time here rather than spending like a ton of time on social media is I like the quiet and more thoughtfulness of podcasts. And I think that, you know, the online space that I I work in, sometimes I feel like I live inside the internet, is really loud. There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of advice. People are telling you how to do things that worked really well for them that could totally work for you, but not everything is going to be for you. And so if things are having a negative impact for you, if you're noticing it's bringing up a lot of negative emotions, a lot of compare and despair, and I think maybe most importantly, if you're not planning to actually learn from that person because you don't actually feel aligned with what they're teaching, there's a lot to be said for unfollowing right? Cleaning up our mental space, 
giving ourselves a little bit more quiet, making sure that what we're consuming is actually feeding us and nurturing us and inspiring us, not making us kind of doubt ourselves when actually, you know, as Paula's situation was, for example, she's actually really feeling good. She's actually content in her life. $2,000 for her household is actually sufficient and allows her to do the work that she's extremely passionate about, um, which is providing insurance-based dietitian care to folks who struggle with a relationship with food. I think if she gave that up, there would be a huge gap for her at this point in her life. And so for her, getting rid of the, that noise that's telling her to do things differently when her gut says otherwise is the wisest decision. So I'm going to say the same to you. If you're noticing you're following somebody and it's creating stress for you, unfollow. That includes this podcast or me. If I'm not helping you feel more inspired, more clear, unfollow, right? Our mental space is so, so precious and so valuable. I know I found myself, I recently got off TikTok kind of by accident, a blessing that it didn't switch over to my new phone. And I use that as my out. And I have been really noticing the difference that it's made to my mental space to not have all of that stimulation and all of that noise all the time. So, so appreciative for Paula for having this conversation with me today. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me on Instagram. As I said, I kind of spend more time here than there, but I am on Instagram. You can follow me at Money Nuts and Bolts. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way for other therapists to find us. Thanks for listening today.